Well, today is Advent Sunday. It's a Sunday of joy. We are very joyful around the office here, and I want to thank those of you who have been kind and sending cards and wonderful snacks and um, things to eat. That's always great. Um, Basically, it's Bev and I in the office. The staff is, a lot of them are working from home, so we get to eat a lot of snacks. And um, I'm glad those others are not here on days like that because the cookies and the candy are great. What a wonderful time this morning and singing carols and um, also celebrating this Christmas season. Hymns and carols are so important in our Christian walk. There's a standard or there's a pattern that I see in both of them. Where we sing of God's forgiveness, we sing of his comfort. In hymns and carols, we sing of trust in him. We sing of freedom of fear. And in hymns and carols, we sing of his strength. We sing of the song that we have in our heart because of our salvation experience. And all hymns and and carols should be measured by those standards. And if we focus our singing, if it's upon ourselves and our needs, we miss the value of praise. We miss the value of honor. We miss the value of lifting up God and thanking him for the strength that he gives us, thanking him for our song, thanking him for our salvation. Classic hymns and carols are a great part of our lives as Christians, which last for generations because they meet these standards, and I am so thankful. When I was leaving youth ministry, that was just a couple years before coming here as your pastor, one of the things I noticed is that when we would go to nursing homes or places, I'd bring the youth group at Christmas time and we would sing. I was noticing in those latter years of my ministry, I had to um, give the young people sheets with the words on them. In previous years in youth ministry, everyone knew the words. And it seems like in our schools, uh, when we were younger, and for most of us that are here today, we used to sing these carols. We knew them by heart. And may we never forget the words of them. May we never forget the concentration of them and the emphasis of praising God, especially during this Advent season. In the book of Corinthians, the Lord speaks of multiple gifts that are given to the church. And this morning, one of the gifts was exercise. It was an exhortation to remind us of God's goodness, the purpose of his birth. And we do thank God for those that... uh, that share his word and and the message that they give them, that we as a church can benefit from it. Today, I was listening to the news early this morning, and it was kind of startling for me to hear mental health expert speaking. And in one sentence, she used two words. The words were, we are living in a burdensome time, in a worrisome time. I thought about these words that she spoke of back to back, and I looked them up before coming this morning. A burdensome time would be a time that's difficult, a time where it's hard to carry things out. It's a time of um, taxation in our lives. A worrisome time is a time that causes anxiety and concern. It's with those two words that I come to you today realizing that today my emphasis is that of joy. 
joy in a time that's burdensome, in a time that's worrisome. So what is it that you and I have as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, where we can celebrate joy in a world that's identified by a couple words that are very serious words? It seems like many of us are sitting and thinking, hurry up, let's get this year over with before something else happens. For some of us, something else has happened. For some of you listening today, and all of us who sit here in this room, maybe a friend or a family member has been diagnosed with COVID. Perhaps somebody's life has been touched in a negative way, so to speak, and so we worry. It becomes a burden to us. We just hang on to our seats hoping that nothing else will take place, that there will not be another positive test that comes back to us. This year has been a year of struggles. It's been a year of stress. It's been a year of discouragement. When I think of biblical examples, I think of the man Nehemiah, who was called to build and rebuild the wall around the city of Jerusalem. There were days where the pandemic of the enemy was upon them. People were discouraged. People were worried. And it's in Nehemiah, the 8th chapter, the 10th verse, where the scripture says that Nehemiah encourages the people to enjoy life. And then in that 10th verse, he says, this day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. 2020 has not been a fun year. But amid the storms of this year, many have lost happiness. Many have lost joy. Joy is something that perhaps is getting harder and harder to find, even during the Advent season. There's so much negative stuff that is going on that we can focus on and we can forget the blessings of God and as a result we lose our joy. You see, when times get tough, you and I have to decide how we respond to these tough times. When we are faced with difficulties and trials at home, at work, maybe at school or other areas of our life, we have to decide, how are we going to deal with those situations? How are we going to handle them? And over and over, for many in 2020, the question has been, will we allow tough times to define us? Or will we be able to rise above the difficulties of life and grow and thrive in our lives? Nehemiah says, the joy of the Lord is our strength, people. You're down, you're out. The enemy is knocking on our door. People are disappointed and they want to ruin our efforts of rebuilding this wall. But remember, with all of this going on on the outside of our lives, the joy of the Lord is our strength. I can <clears throat> not remember a year 
that's been close to this year. Hot subjects that I have <clears throat> dealt with as a pastor, people, you, individuals have come to me. And they want to talk about the pandemic and how it's affected the whole world. Other conversations are around the economical pressures that have increased for families and business. And the Benevolence Fund has been very active. Thank you for those that have given to it. So we can help others. Social distancing and isolation have interfered with normal human relationships. Mask or no mask. Governmental efforts to manage the coronavirus have in some situations produced more problems than the virus itself. Constant changes and challenges for the church world and which result in creativity and how are we going to do this Sunday and how are we going to do this and that. Regulations that control us and we want to be mindful of them and we want them to be part of our lives and be an example as Christians. Ten weeks of live streaming where there were only nine of us allowed in this building and we live streamed our services with a tech team that went into action and almost overnight gave us a quality product. You see, people need people. You and I need the touch of a loved one. You and I need a smile from a stranger. And now we're learning how to smile with our eyes. I'm a pretty humorous guy, but I've learned that I have to curb that humor because people don't know if it's humor or not. They can't see my mouth. They can't see my face. Can't see my smile. You see, people can endure the absence for a brief period of time of others, but extended times of normal human interaction has a psychological impact upon some of you, and we've talked about that. Not being able to perhaps even be with your family or be with your friends or be in church, and there are many that are listening today that are not able to be here yet because of physical conditions and concerns. The negative effects is worse for some than others, but we're all affected by it. The continuous political divide in our country is producing a lot of stress for Americans. Rather than prompting meaningful conversations, our conversations in some cases and relationships with people have degenerated into name-calling, into mud-throwing, into rock-throwing, and even deadly riots. And now the worries are that the outcome of the presidential election could put on our country. It could go in many different courses. It could affect everyone financially. It could affect our children's financial future. It could affect our liberties. It could affect the moral course of our nation. It could affect the judgment of God upon America. And added to that are concerns about election fraud. You see, will we ever have a valid election again? Will the losers concede? Will there be more contention over the validity of the results? We have never faced this level of uncertainty 
And this uncertainty is causing a lot of anxiety in our society, and for some, for many, the absence of joy. A recent Harris poll conducted for the American Psychological Association found that 70% of American adults are stressed out over the political climate and the uncertainty that we face in our country. And likewise, about the same number was produced for those that feel that they're in danger of the coronavirus. And that's a significant source of stress for so many. And that all adds up to people's experiences because they're worried about their job, their education, they're worried about their children, they're worried about how they're even going to conduct shopping this year or if it's even done. The efforts that people are making today for therapy can almost be humorous. I read this week of one of the latest coping strategies. It began in Europe, and now it has arrived in America. The strategy of relieving stress is that of cow-hugging. That's right, cow-hugging. You see, tree-hugging is out. Cow-hugging is in right now. Proponents of the movement say that cows are calm animals, and hugging them has a calming effect upon the person. Until they step on your foot, I guess, but... uh, I haven't tried it. Perhaps I should not criticize it too much or laugh about it. Maybe it is a relief. I wish there was a cow here this morning when I came in and heard there was a broken cable. People need joy today, folks. They don't need cows. Unless you love milk, like I do. But we need joy, and I think we've all experienced the discouragements in 2020, and some are, are already saying that uh, uh, discouragement is part of their life even today or yesterday afternoon. Recently, I read some indicators of how you know when you're having a bad day. The first thing that I read was, well, when you turn on the morning news and they're displaying emergency routes out of your city. You know that's a bad day. Next one I read was, uh, you wake up in the morning and the sun's rising in the west. That hasn't happened in 2020. Or your boss tells you not to bother to take your coat off when you arrive at work. You know it's a bad day when your horn gets stuck following a group of hell's angels. You know it's a bad day when you jump out of bed and you miss the floor. That's happened to a few of us. When you step on the scale at home and rather than giving you a number, it says tilt. You know it's a bad day when you call the suicide prevention line and they put you on hold. That's a bad day. And today many churches are lighting the advent candle the candle that represents joy. And believe as you and I will reflect as we are today upon Old and New Testament scriptures about Jesus Christ and the fact that he brings us joy for our lives. And as Christmas draws near just in a few days, 
There are so many that look joyfully to that day for the gifts that are under the tree, the celebration of Jesus Christ. And then there are many that you can't even get with your family this year because of precautions that you're taking. We all need that message that was given by the angels in Luke, the second chapter, the 10th verse. Fear not. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy. We look back at that blessed event and we, we rejoice in the, the, the promise that's been fulfilled. That Jesus Christ was born. But in the years and the centuries before Christ's birth, God's people waited in joyful expectation for this to happen. For a promised Savior, one who had not yet come. And their joy was not based on the knowledge of what God had or was going to do through Jesus Christ. Their joy was based upon the knowledge of what God had done in their lives. But yet they had something to look forward to. And throughout the Old Testament, God calls his people to joyfulness. In a section of Deuteronomy where it talks about giving, it talks about tithes and offerings. Interesting in Deuteronomy, the 26th chapter, the 11th verse. Then you and the Levites and the foreigners residing among you shall rejoice in the good things the Lord your God has given to you in your household. This verse is a command from God to rejoice, but also to recognize our relationship with God. When we take time to reflect on what God has done, what he has offered us, our hearts are filled with joy. When we take time to think about biblical joy, it's so much different than what most people think of joy being. You see, it's not just an, a, a happy emotion that we either feel or we don't feel. It's a state of being that finds its source in God. And may our state of being, regardless of what is going on around us, we find our source of joy in God. Nehemiah, again, the 8th chapter, verses 9 and 10. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest, the teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people have been weeping as they've listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy the choice food and sweet drink and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve for the Lord, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And here the Bible is clear that joy comes from God and our joy is a product of what God has done and what he continues to do in our hearts and our lives. It's a gladness that's flowing out of the wellspring of God's faithfulness and his mercy and that is quite independent, by the way, of our circumstances in life. It's continuous because we have the Lord. Habakkuk demonstrates how to respond to a COVID-19 year because he expresses some of the same problems. And here's how he says in Habakkuk, the third chapter, verses 17 and 18, though the fig tree shall not blossom, and there be no fruit on the vines. You see, that's a bad year. Though the yield of the olive should fail, 
Yet I will exalt the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. I will rejoice. I will have joy. This Advent season, our joy is anchored in the knowledge that God has fulfilled the promise in sending his son, Jesus Christ. And with Advent, our joyful anticipation of Christmas is coming to a head. We will soon light the center candle, which represents the Christ candle. Luke 2, again, I will bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. It's important to remember that the joy that we have in Jesus Christ is not seasonal. It's not situational. And, and like the joy of the ancient Israels, our joy is a response to what God has already done and what God is going to do and continue to do. Thank God that we have a Savior. When Christ came and dwelt among his people, he was their rabbi, he was their teacher, and he taught about God's love. And he urged them to remain in God's care. And in John, the 15th chapter, the 11th verse, he said, I have told you these things, so that you would be filled with what? My joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. That's the God we serve. A God that, that we, can, we can depend upon that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In the New Testament, Paul, he encouraged the, the Colossian church, and he said to them in Colossians 1.12, May you, you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has established you to share in his inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. This is the kind of joy that we have grounded in thankfulness because of the first advent, folks that we can continue to thank God. Today, our joy is fueled by the power of the Holy Spirit. Mother Teresa once said this. She said, joy is the net of love by which you can catch souls. A joyful heart is the inedible results of a heart burning with love. True biblical joy is what God calls you and I to today. It's a joy that endures whether we are having a cheerful Christmas, or whether things are tough around us, whether we are in the lows of COVID, we can have this joy. So this Advent and beyond, I pray that our response will be that of the psalmist in the 89th Psalm, the 15th verse. How blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. Oh Lord, they walk in the light of your face. May we walk in the face of God. I recently read an article about the immigrants that came to the United States. It was in the 19th century. And as they came to the U.S., they were overwhelmed with the freedom of worship, many of them. There was a minister who worked with many of them. His name was G.D. Hall. And he was so grateful that he had the opportunity to work with the immigrants. It was in August of 1899. Hall led a series of services in a small prairie town. And he writes that there was such a, a hunger of God's word that was so intense that he had never seen such a hunger before. They had a great appetite for the gospel, he wrote. An 80-year-old man on this particular day on his journal 
was so moved with the blessedness after one meeting that he stood up and he sang a solo to honor God. He went on to say that these people lived in sod houses. They had endured many severe trials coming to America. But Hall found that their faith has given them power to soar above it all. Many of the people were poor, but they were happy. They were happy in Jesus Christ, and they were satisfied with their lot. Christians, we can learn many lessons from those of old, from these immigrants. Today we have conveniences, and today we have material comforts. But as those immigrants found out, our joy should not be related to external circumstances. We can experience the joy of the Lord no matter where we are. No matter what's going on around us. No matter what is happening in this world. No matter how much money we have or how little money we have. We can rejoice in Jesus Christ. So today, I want us to give consideration to a question. Are we so focused on our circumstances that we've forgotten about God? With everything that goes on around us, let us tap into the joy. Don't let anything distract you today. Let the joy of the Lord fill your hearts and your minds. Do not place your hope in your possessions, your pleasure, the comfortableness, or the lack of it around us. Commit your life to God and start praising him. Start worshiping him. Sing to him and thank him for all that he has done. The book of Isaiah tells us that we were made for that purpose, to glorify God. And discontentment begins when we put ourselves in the center of the universe and we remove God from us. We remove him from the big picture. And the microscopic view of God is gone. Or the large view of God is gone. On the other hand, Christian joy is independent of all things on earth because it has its source in the continued presence of Jesus Christ, not on the temporary things or the circumstances. So, matter, so no matter what your circumstances are, we corporately, no matter what's going on outside, this Advent 2020 season, we can recover our joy, but we need Commitment to contentment. Commitment to contentment. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is what fuels us and keeps us going. Henry Van Dyke in 1907, he wrote a poem. The poem was inspired as he was teaching at Williams College in the Berkshire Mountains. He looked around and he was staying in the president of that college's home. He saw the beauty of the mountains. He started penning a poem. Joyful, joyful, we adore thee. It's a favorite hymn that we love to sing today. And perhaps not at this time of the year, but it's very fitting for this time of the year with a message of joy. This hymn is generally considered to be one of the most joyous expressions of hymn lyrics in the English language. 
It portrays the joyful relationship between God who created this world and the praise that we have in our hearts. And the final verse concludes with an invitation for all of God's children to join in with praise and thanksgiving. Listen to these words. Is it your life? Is it your testimony today?